0: What's the most money you've ever found?
1: Mm. Um, I, I'm not a very lucky person, I don't think so. I've found pennies. There's a, there's a, there's a 20p um, that's wedged in between the door and the floor in the bathroom mm. of the house that we rent. And it's been there for about the four years that we've been renting it. And I don't want to move it in case it's, you know, you get those like old wives tales where they bury shoes or like dead cats so in the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah, feel exactly, like yeah. it's like a, like a folklore thing. <laughs> and I don't want to move it in case like everything. So that's my story. <laughs>
0: How long have you known that 20p four now?
1: Probably longer than some of my friends. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody. Um, Chris, I don't know about you. I feel like we are saying everybody now. We've had so many people messaging and yeah, and sending in. Um, this is Write Club Open Mic, um, a podcast all about new writing. Uh, hopefully, your writing. Uh, we're hoping that over the course of this. Podcast series, you might feel inspired to write something yourself and send it through to us. We love all types of writing, um, whether it's um, scripts or stories or poems. If we're being honest, Chris, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of poems. There is. There is a lot. Um, Which we love. Mm. And today's is no exception. Lots of poems, which is fantastic. But also, if you are listening to this podcast series, let's start this out by saying if you write something that's not poetry, We want to hear that as well. Like As the series progresses, we are going to really try and give time to to longer forms of writing as well. But um, yeah, we are celebrating new writing. Mm. We've had loads of submissions, haven't we, Chris? We have.
2: Honestly, it's loads and loads. uh,
0: It's the most we've had. And in fact, it's taken a full day to go through everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you, everyone that sent your work through. And today, Chris, the theme is... Show me the money.
2: It sounds quite aggressive, but I mean, if you want to show me the money, that would be cool. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think we're <laughs> both very keen on anyone showing us a bit of money as 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 freelancers. Um, uh, in the studio with us today, we have got the incredible Leanne Moden. Hey, hello, hey Leanne. Um, and we've just been hearing about Leanne's relationship with money, um, particularly twenty pence a piece. Um, Leanne, you're also a freelance artist.
1: I am. Yes, that's right. Um, I'm very uh, at the beginning of my freelance career, so that's really exciting.
0: How long ago did you become a freelancer?
1: Full-time freelance. It's been 18 months, so it's re- I'm, I'm really still quite new to it. Um, but I've been doing odds and sods and bits and pieces since about 2012. So, like, working my way up by, like, tiny degrees to doing it full-time. So, awesome. Yeah.
0: Money's a funny thing in the arts. And I think the reason we wanted to make this episode is because often I think money is something that we feel we shouldn't openly talk about. Um, However, I I guess it's a very important part of your life if you're a professional Mm. writer, but also if you're not, if you're starting out or if it's something that you're maybe paid as a one-off for some piece of work, that can be quite a memorable moment. I remember the first time, I got paid for a performance at an open mic. I think I got paid £30 and I think it cost me about £40 to get to the gig. (laughs) So it didn't really cover the travel costs, but it felt like it meant something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in in a funny way. How are you finding um, the money side of being an artist now?
1: Yeah, it's... The hardest part for me, I think, um, because, you know, being a poet, you'll know this as well, we're not necessarily business minded people. So um, that's always tricky. And there are a few places out there that are sort of willing to take advantage of people, perhaps a little bit, not being that savvy with knowing what to charge or how much your poetry is worth or how much your skills are worth as well and that's that's mm. like a thing that I'm navigating at the moment is cuz I've got all this experience but it's not like Experience that's in You know Something tangible Necessarily And so it's then Really hard to Think about What your value is And what your worth is And how Mm. you then Put a price on that And whether the price Stays the same Depending on the company And it's Mm. just a whole Big thing You know
0: Yeah Um, I think we have this View of poets Particularly as almost Being like these Old wizards Or (laughs) magical (laughs) Mythical creatures That exist outside Of capitalism In some way Mm. And I think the reality when I speak to young people about being a poet as a as a job is I explain I feel a bit more like I'm a plumber, really, or a roofer or a contractor. I build things for people. Maybe there's like a show that needs an item for like a I don't know, like a BBC Ideas might ask me to write something for that or um for BBC Teach, or you might write a piece for I did a piece a while ago for um uh The Planets that Dr. Brian Cox show mm. They wanted a, a promo piece About Saturn So you write a piece for that And so sometimes You write these commissions um, And so I often think That when I'm getting paid For writing things I'm like a plumber But I have zero material costs mm. Right I'm building my Piping system Or my wall Out of words <laughs> Which anyone can access And I'm just putting them In an order And then I'm kind of Saying to the world That's worth this much Money And there's nothing really to prove that it's just people's assumptions mm. of what you're worth.
1: Yeah, I mean, some people would say that that's the same for plumbers. <laughs> Not me, though. I wouldn't say that.
0: I find, I don't know about you, I find sometimes if you've had to travel, mm-hmm. um, you're kind of worth more.
1: Mm-hmm. Like people
0: don't tend to want to pay like the local poets.
1: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's like there's some sort of legitimacy in being from like outside and being like a special person that they've had to sort of bus in from somewhere.
0: Well, today we are going to be talking about money. We're Mm. going to look at some ways that maybe if you're listening that you could explore trying to get some money yourself as an artist um, from the Arts Council. But also we are going to be providing some money for people who sent work in today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one piece that's submitted about this theme of "Show Me the Money" will win 150 pounds. Yeah, Ooh. I know we're a uh, funding body. Uh,
3: yeah,
1: oh no. Oh,
0: already it feels stressful. <laughs> um, we have had so many submissions, and I maybe it's because the podcast is growing. Maybe it's because there is some money on the line. Um, but we've shortlisted down to nine audio pieces today and mm-hmm. we're going to play through those audio pieces for you guys and then at the end we will make the call mm-hmm. for who gets the 150 and we will also read out one text piece that's been sent that will win 50 pounds oh yeah so we are showing the money today yeah
2: is it bad that i like I sent nine pieces of work in for this.
0: (laughs) That would be amazing. If you did, Chris, you've done some phenomenal work on your accents (laughs) because uh, you you sound like you're from all sorts of different places around the UK. (laughs) Um, Okay. So before we get stuck in, we are going to listen to a member of the Online Write Club um, team, Sandy Wardrop. Uh, Sandy uh, has been... Um, joining up with the Online Write Club group for a while now, and he has got a special piece to share with you before we get into the grubby stuff of who wins the money.
4: My name is Sandy Wardrop. I am a neurodivergent poet uh, with ADHD, which means that my brain works differently from most people's. And I like to write stuff that scratches an itch in my brain. Um, sometimes that itch gets scratched and then sometimes once it's been scratched, the itch moves a bit. And so one of the first poems that I wrote when I started taking myself in air quotes seriously uh, was I really wanted to mimic that feeling that I get listening to a really cool drummer, like uh, either a metal drummer or a jazz drummer where everything's going. And just like, um, it feels like the guy's like going 100 miles a minute and like building up to something massive that's going to be like an explosion. Um, But one of the big things that was in my way when I wanted to create the sound was I don't play the drums. Um, So basically I went through as many words as possible that had some kind of rhythm, including the word rhythm, or like, double, which sounded a little bit like a kick drum, and I basically just threw them together in a big kind of word scrambly omelet, A barrage of bass, bass beats, beat bat bits of baritone, heavily doubling kicks of the bass bite the front row, but still the diligent drummer dabbles while his dazzling sticks fidget and the thundering waves wind their way from his wooden digits. And the audience claps, 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 collapse. He necks a bottle full of glucose, knowing that the cue he almost missed there was too close, throwing down another, lining up for a second dose. His sticks are ready, and with a thrumming, the drumming's reborn. Still the lovely doubling click is the best bit of the bass drum, the running rumbles, jump of the time-space continuum, but I could listen to the little dissonant tin clashes of simple, simple sympathizers, singing in steel splashes into my skin, listened. Isn't it all just a wall made of sound? Not at all, really. It's a rhythm that rocks you back and forth until your skin's sore. What's it for? What a bore? It's a ride, not a score, because it's all beats and fills you with awe. It's the thrill of not knowing what you're in for. So we rally round the rippling, raucous, syncopated rhythm while the fiddles and paradiddles bring in the roaring rum with him, but the rumblings doubling energy, bubbling, fast-fading energetic fixes the fall, backs for masquerading as someone who's sailing his way through on stamina, and his legs keep giving their best on hammering, but it's a hard thing to do with a new tattoo on your arm, sucking the life force from you... The crowd starts to boo. It's not finished. Pick up your sticks, man. It can happen at nearly any one of your gigs, man. So diminish the prejudice of the dissing fans. Disenfranchised persons who listen for every fumble flam. Don't listen. Slam. Smirking, pus faced pretentious tramps. You're better than them. At least no worse than the next man. So he digs. Dig. Dicks, digs. Dicks, digs, 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 digs down deep in the dark recesses of his soul, where unnecessary pressures are synthesizing coal into diamond, a rampant rocket rhythms are raised up hole tearing tantrums into tatters, making mansions out of mantras in a dance based tantric trance of tyrannic tarantulas until he crashes and sizzles and fizzes and hisses and buzzes and smashes. Sweat drizzles, splashes and dwindles till there's only the sound. Of the size. No snickering hum beyond the light up fireflies. And with a fleeting flash, he's reborn, hissing. You wanted the best beat, bass, rehearsed verse, and mimetic drumming rhythm, because I just bossed it.
0: Great, so good, wow. awesome, that was so good. nice That's one, wicked. Sandy. Um, yeah, what a great piece. All right. We're ready to go then. Uh, We have got nine pieces of work that have been sent through to us. We're gonna play these pieces in blocks of three. Um, So we're gonna hear the first block of three pieces in a moment. When we've heard all nine pieces, all three blocks, um, will they make the difficult decision? But is there anything you'd like to say? Yes. Yeah.
1: So it's really important for us to state that it was a real challenge to pick the ones that we thought we wanted on this particular podcast. So if you have got your work uh, on this episode, then you've pretty much already won. Yeah. And the money's just <laughs> like a lovely bonus for one yeah. person. So um yeah, well done to everybody. And for those who, um, who haven't, made it on this episode there are always other episodes that we've got coming up so yeah. hopefully we can find ways to get everybody's work showcased
0: yeah absolutely so three artists that are going to appear in the first block are sam wilson with a piece called little credit then tom mccall with the gamble account and finally we have Hilary Steele with the wolf returns
5: Hi, I'm Sam from London. Um, I've been writing little rhymes and bars and things for a little while now, but never really kind of managed to form them into anything proper. And I've been kind of trying to push myself to do um, that. So when Mark started this podcast and was um, sort of put out for for. Um, submissions, I've kind of used it as a way to push myself to get something uh, together properly for it. Um, And this is where I've got to. Um, So this is called Little Credit. They say money's the root of all evil, but there's nothing saintly about a car with no diesel. Credit card maxed out, saving account tapped out, I'd take a bit of sin just to withdraw a bit of cash now. If the best things in life are free, then why does everything have a fee? Every breath I take seems to cost me. The steps I take increasingly costly. We're in a cost of drinking crisis. Never seen anything like these pint prices. What I have to pay for pail is off the scale. Need a hefty overdraft to drink in craft bars. To say my pay spread thin is the opposite of exaggeration. Anything left at the end of the month my bank sends me a congratulations. Life just seems to be an endless stream of dull contractual payments. Any notions of saving is best left to the imagination. My funds are really hurting, in desperate need of nursing. If money makes the world spin, then it seems that mine is barely turning. Bank balance cavernous, hand-to-mouth ravenous, credit checks hazardous, the constant grind, I've had enough. And I'm one of the luckier ones. While the decisions of some fat cats are leaving the whole country in a slump. I'm terrified of what's to come. Hard work always comes undone. Struggle comes in lump sums. And I'm just trying to build a future for my son. We're not asking for a lot. A slice of cheese, not the whole block. A little splash of cream, not the whole pot. But this is the problem with greed. It makes you closed off. Don't think about what we need. It's just what they want. In moments to reflect, it's when we gain a clear perspective. The whole system's rigged and we toil away just to afford to live. They continue to get rich and use us as leverage. It's time it was corrected. We deserve a little credit. The
2: Gamble Account. When I opened a new gamble account to supplement my current account, the bank sent me a different kind of card to the usual plastic one. It was the four of clubs. At the nearest cashpoint machine, I inserted the card, and keying in my personal number, the Queen of Hearts and Three of Spades came up upon the screen. 17. I took the printout and went straight to the cashier's desk. I placed my bet. 60 pounds. Surely I'd win this time. The cashier dealt the cards the jack of diamonds, two of clubs and six of hearts. Damn, eighteen. Better look next time, sir, the cashier said, smiling, as I paid in sixty pounds to the non-withdrawable gamble account.
6: Our forebears strove to end the wolf, drove back the hated thief of grandmas, swore to keep safe the wood where red-hooded children tread. Centuries of grim attrition paired him to a fairy tale, and we forgot the scale of those devouring jaws. Overpowering hope, ambition, with freezing homes and cheap nutrition, shoes that crumple in the rain, the wolf is at the door again.
0: Thank you so much to those three writers for those fantastic opening pieces in our uh, a little competition, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think?
1: I really liked all three. I thought Tom's piece was uh, just the right side of surreal um, to be really intriguing, which I really liked. Um, yeah. And Hilary's piece I thought was really lovely. I love that little um, twist at the end. Really, really nice. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love that piece. I love when a poem's quite short and does everything it needs to do yeah. with that kind of precision. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, of the writing, I think it's superb. Also, Sam's piece is... I love um, Sam's work, I thought it was amazing. That was Really good. Really accessible, resonant, resonant, um, and some great rhymes in there Mm. um, as well. Okay. Um, So that's our first block of...
1: Standard's high. (laughs) Standard is is. high.
0: Um, So next up, we're going to have a little bit of an exploration of a way we can make money as artists. Leanne and I were talking about different ways that we've tried to um, uh, get some money for ourselves as artists. And we realized that the Arts Council Develop Your Creative Practice grant um, is kind of an important grant for the both of us. Um, We've applied twice in the past for that grant and we've both been successful. Amazing. And we've both been unsuccessful (laughs) once as well. Um, And the DYCP grant, the Develop Your Creative Practice grant from the Arts Council, is a grant specifically for individual artists.
1: Yeah, it's sort of to develop your skills, to develop your practice in some way, to give you a step in a different directions so for example the one that I was successful with um, I'd been working for 10 years as a performance poet and I wanted to move into writing long form theatre content and that was the step up and a step into a slightly different genre of writing and a slightly different sort of sphere as well so I needed the money to support um, mentors and um, mentoring for me in like performance and in writing and in promoting stuff uh, and all that kind of thing so it's uh, as well as giving you like time to write and giving you support to pay yourself to perhaps take yourself out of your day job for half half a day a week or something like that in order to give you the space to think creatively Mm -hmm. it was really important for me when i got it in 2018 so
0: great that's interesting i was successful in 2018 for a um dycp grant to move into writing for small children like picture book Mm. authoring so to take what i was used to doing in kind of pubs and things and trying to write using that same kind of rhyme that same kind of bounce but to really kind of yeah kind of write stuff for young people and um for me, it was transformative getting the funding because I was able to write a, a book called um, Rhinos Don't Cry, which I signed a book deal with Bloomsbury. Um, and for me, I've always just sold books of my poems after gigs. Um, it's, it's it's a bit surreal for me. But this Thursday, actually, um, in Waterstones and other bookshops all around the country, that book will be on shelves. That's amazing. Yeah, it's wicked. The system now is different than it was back in 2018. Yeah. I think it's become increasingly popular. The um, application, you can get more money um, now. Yeah, it's like £12,000, I think. Yeah. But competition is fierce.
1: Yeah, it's much harder, I think, now to get the funding than it was in those first couple of years, sort of pre-pandemic, I think.
0: We both applied this year for funding. What was your application for?
1: So I was looking to um, start writing a piece of memoir uh, around uh, food and eating disorders and things like that. So it was all about um, research, working with clinicians, doing some interesting stuff about my own relationship with food, and um, I thought it was good, mm. uh, <laughs> a good idea. Um, but uh, but no, I didn't didn't get it on this round. So, I see. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah I, I wanted to move into writing chapter books mm. for um, you know kind of seven to ten year olds I suppose chapter books that didn't rhyme which if, I, if I'm not rhyming I find it really really scary <laughs> yeah. um, and I uh, I was very aware that that's the kind of bracket that I'm missing if I can mm. find a way to kind of write these chapter books for young readers and, and, and work into prose that would be a big help but yeah we were both unsuccessful yeah Um, And we thought, well, that's a great reason to really explore this grant Mm -hmm. further. We thought we'd approach a couple of artists who were thinking about applying and ask them to document their experience of going through the application process. So perhaps you could hear what it's like if you ever wanted to apply for a Develop Your Creative Practice grant.
1: So um, first up, we're going to hear from Demi Anta. And Demi is based in London, but originally
7: from the States. Hi, my name is Demi Anter. I'm a poet originally from California and I've lived in London for almost 2 years after 6 years in Berlin. My poetry is mostly about the female experience but tying into lots of other things. My first book, Small Machine, which came out last year with Right Bloody UK, was about my experience of coming of age in Berlin as a kind of foreigner. My family is German and Austrian, but, um, but I don't have family there. So it was about that experience of living this sort of expat life and bilingualism and the multiculturalism of that city, as well as history, family, uh, intergenerational sort of trauma and migration However, my work is moving into new fields now. Um, It's not so much a coming of age kind of narrative anymore as I'm entering my 30s. And the projects that I'm looking towards now have more to do with this particular period in time in your life, um, particularly for women, uh, trying to figure out sort of what comes next in terms of whether or not you have a family and how this fits into your life and identity as an artist in your career? My DYCP application is exactly about this transition, actually. And I have experience in a lot of different art forms um, in photography, in film, in book making, book design. I also finished a master's in acting last year. So I'm also trying to figure out how do all of these kind of disparate pieces fit together. And so my DYCP application this year was called Possibilities of Poetry. And it's all about kind of blowing up all of the options of what are all of these different threads that I can follow and what are all of these different things that I can explore and experiment with. and. You know, it's about funding the chance to work with really interesting people that I have connections to anyway, but who I've never really had the time to work with um, in a deeper way. And, you know, the great thing about DYCP is that uh, it doesn't necessarily have to lead to a specific project. It's more about exploration. So this is really about exploration and studying for a year I have not had Arts Council funding before, but I did apply for DYCP last year and it and my application was unsuccessful. But um, this year I went about it in a very different way. Um, last year I did my application really last minute because I wasn't sure if I would be eligible to apply. And so I just went for it and did an application really quickly. This year I spent much more time working on it and i worked with a coach actually to guide me throughout the process so not a grant writer by any means but someone who had received the funding before i applied i've just submitted my application last week and i think that the process is really good i really like the way that they've set up their website and their questions. And I found it a much more straightforward kind of application than many other grants and things that are out there, actually.
1: Thank you, Demi. Uh, that was really cool. Um, so we've got our next block of three submissions now for our contest. So, Mark, who have we got up next?
0: We've got James Domestic. Yes. I think... Is that a, a stage name? Because that's pretty <laughs> I think cool. it
1: must be. I like it though. It's mm. cool.
0: Love it. So we've got James Domestic with a piece called Buying Time. Then we've got Sarah Dixon, um, who's been on this podcast before, actually. Uh, but this piece is phenomenal. It, it made it through again, which is Are We Poor? asks Frank. And then finally, we have got Amber Page Moss with a piece called Life Isn't
8: Fair. Buying Time. Not having seen you for a decade or three, I hadn't much thought about how you would be. I guess we all think we're twenty, whatever our age, we hold ourselves constant and our past much the same. But at Darren's funeral there was a crossing of paths, when you near ran me over in the chapel car park, mashing your own for all you were worth, then you clocked it was me and your face filled with mirth. James, how you doing? It's been way too long.' Flossing over the fact that you'd almost hit me dead on. I wanted dearly to tear you off a strip. You were going too fast, and I'm sure you knew it. But we're at a funeral, so I let it slide. We chat for a short while, then head on inside. Me with my girlfriend, you with your third wife, and we reverently celebrate deceased Darren's life. It's not till the wake in the nearby king's head that I weigh what you were against what's there instead. You were full of idealism, of dreams and ideas. Now you drive a Mercedes with plates from this year. And I don't want to seem jealous or snarky or mean or invoke some male cliché betwixt man and machine. But you talk and I listen. You always liked your own voice. We're both staying here, so I haven't much choice. And whatever the subject, whatever the topic, the theme turns to money and how much you've got of it. Politics, music, family or cinema – holidays science the results are familiar your latest purchase your latest thing the exorbitant price of your wife's wedding ring do you've changed is abundantly clear and i can't help but wonder what i'm doing here discussing stuff i care little about you've been lured by the biggest cult and now you're devout we all need some funds i'm not blind to that but you're fully caught up in the capital trap. Because what good is money if it don't make you free? Free to buy, sure, but not free to just be. To be cuffed to a treadmill, just whizzing around, working hard to get nowhere, never once making ground. The cuffs might be golden, with diamond tip keys. The treadmill's designer, well, of course it would be. But you've now set a standard, both you and the wife, and you've got to keep up, because this is the life. You asked at the bar whilst you were getting them in, What would I buy with a lottery win? I didn't need to think, I just fired straight back. Time's what I'd buy, because it's what we most lack. You didn't really seem to understand what I meant. It seemed to make you angry, this straightforward concept, and like an exasperated parent with an unruly child, fury drew across your face and I was positively reviled. You said, No, a thing, a tangible thing. I said minutes, hours, days and months are tangible to me. And one day in the future, which you may find comes too soon, you might suddenly wake up to find they're tangible too. And then you punched me on the nose.
3: Sarah L. Dixon Are we poor? asked Frank. After his first primary school birthday party at our house, Violet asked where our second toilet is. Where our real garden is, the one with grass. Why we only have one TV. Are we poor, asked Frank, after his first week at a new school. My answer, we are rich enough to have shelter from the wild valley. Rich enough for three meals a day and several baths a week to warm our house when the mercury drops below 17. Are we poor, asked Frank, after his first week at high school, pointing out we have no car. Have been on one foreign holiday funded by others. Some of our clothes are second hand. Yes, but look at the bright jars of sea glass we've gathered from Scarborough sunsets and Anglesey bays. Look at the things we can treat ourselves to the books and the small precious things, the stone set pendulum you saved up for, five beads on a string from a cracker you've loved since you were two. Look at the hours we spend colouring and watching Moomins together. The way we can make each other laugh. Look at the lines you bring alive with cartoon character. And the words I weave into worlds.
9: You shout at me that he was talking too. Well I didn't catch him, I say. I caught you. And I know how you'll respond before you do. Watch your lips prepare to form the words gasping air and out it bursts. But that's not fair. Yeah, well, life isn't fair. When your destiny is determined by how much your parents can spare, by an accident of birth. But they tell you it's down to how hard you can work, how fast you can learn, how much you're worth and what you deserve, life isn't fair. But that's just a fact. Gender pay gap, zero-hours contracts, the young trapped by disproportionate tax, and in the pandemic, while the public struggled, the artists sacked, the bar staff made redundant, students locked in rooms the size of cupboards the fortunes of the richest 10 men doubled. Life isn't fair, but no one really cares that they're more likely to be homeless than be a millionaire, that they're faring at the mercy of this economy's priorities, that men who fix machines earn more than women who fix bodies, and the delivery cyclist, risking his life with Saturday nights spent racing through red lights is crying, look at me, look at what you've made me do, look at what you've brought me to. Life isn't fair, and how long you live it is a lottery. Some get 80 years and others get weeks. Some have no home and others own streets and the landlords will evict you if you don't keep paying for your flat with no hot water and a roof that lets the rain in meanwhile second homes stand empty driving up the prices but when you ask them why there's no more homes they're blaming on the migrants and the cabinet's on drugs and the prime ministers are racist headlines blur another outrage that the Tories get away with because it's one rule for us and another for them and we're fine for flouting laws that they don't follow themselves and they're telling us to level up and they're selling off the NHS and in the cold the costs are rising the wages worth less and less and any attempt to address this blatant illogicality is decried as political correctness gone mad as token snowflake wokery in this broken democracy and still they have the audacity to claim that we're all in the same boat, we're all in this together so keep calm and carry on shivering in the pissing British weather while they're moving the goalposts to widen the gap rewriting the rules and redrawing the map and it's about time you realised that. There is no magic to banish the wrongs or reward the right. No Father Christmas who gives gifts to only the nice. That's why you used to read of Mice and Men in Year 9. Because you had to learn that the real-life Lennies die. That some people commit crimes and other people save lives and that blame is not a binary. You had to learn to weigh up and challenge and question. But no rich man wants the working classes learning that lesson, so they swapped it for good old British literature to bury you beneath the fence of segregation so painfully subtle. You don't know the grass is greener when you can't see above it. You can't question what you've got without the tax returns of others. So yes, life isn't fair. But I'm not telling you not to complain of it. I'm telling you so that yours can be the generation that changes it. The age that learns to love what is fair and free and just, prepares to pay the price of reason and knows the value of enough. But we'll talk about this more in your detention over lunch.
0: Thank you so much to our three writers who submitted work that we featured in that block there, those three pieces. Uh, We had James with that uh, great story piece.
1: Yeah, that was cool. I really loved the twist at the end as well. It's just... Yeah. Excellent. We were all laughing, weren't we? Yeah,
0: I <laughs> so like the, the tone of delivery as well, yeah. and uh, it was just really, yeah, really engaging and um, great message um, threaded through some great storytelling. Sarah Dixon, mm-hmm. I felt very personal and and beautifully written as yeah. well. Yeah, um,
1: another one that really resonated, and I think talks a lot about struggles people are going through right now.
0: And then uh, we finished with Amber Page Moss, yes, um, which. And that piece was just like coming out swinging, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That really kind of like set fire. Some of the foam, I think, is like slightly (laughs) sizzling. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: Half my beard has
0: melted off. (laughs) It's literally just left of wholly Uh, unbalanced. (laughs) um, Thank you guys so much. So, next up, um, we're going to go back to this Develop Your Creative Practice grant. You've heard from one uh, writer who's gone through that process, but we've also got. Anne Atkins, who you will have heard um, twice perhaps on this podcast so far. Anne Atkins is a part of the online write club um, group, and she as a member decided to apply for Develop Your Creative Practice Grant this year as well. Here's how she found it.
10: My name's Anne Atkins. I'm a poet and poetry host from near Coventry in the English Midlands. My writing style is quite varied, but I often use humour to tackle serious subjects such as mental health grief, ageing, gender stereotyping, sexuality and their impact on everyday life. I've applied for a Developing Your Creative Practice, DYCP, grant to learn how to write and perform a one-person show, which I would like to tour to small regional theatres and community spaces around the UK. The themes would most likely be centred around ageing, friendship and finding positivity. This is the first time I've applied for Arts Council funding, although I have worked with funded organisations and I have friends who've applied, some successfully, some not. All of them found the process quite daunting, so I think I let that put me off from applying for a while. However, those who got the grant said the experience and the funding has been invaluable. Before applying, I had to register on Grantium the Arts Council application platform. Setting up a profile wasn't too difficult and it only needed to be done once, but it took a few days to be verified so I was glad it was out of the way before applications opened. I was very fortunate to have a friend who'd applied for a similar project, thanks Emily. She gave me some useful hints and tips and names of people she'd worked with. There are only two main questions on the form. Firstly, talking about yourself And secondly, about the development you wish to undertake. I started doing my research months before, but still found there was a lot to do when applications opened. I also had to submit a detailed budget and a time plan for how I'd achieve the development, examples of my work and letters of support. Planning how you'll use your time and what you need to spend to do something you haven't done before is tricky. tricky. Having an accountability buddy who was applying too really helped when it felt tough and I wanted to quit. Thanks, Faye. It was quite an investment in terms of time and effort putting in the application, but I'm determined not to get too disheartened if I don't get it this time. I know the odds aren't great.
0: Thank you so much, Anne, for that great breakdown of your experiences there. I feel like we've got a pretty good understanding of the Develop Your Creative Practice grant and how to kind of start thinking about applying. Um, If you do want to look at your own grant, heading to Grantium, the website, uh, popping on there, getting used to its eccentricities and and making your account is a really good way to start things off. Yeah, we'll put a link in the description. How are you guys doing? All right? Yeah, kids. It's Um, informative for me. I mean, this
2: is exposure for something I've never really known about so yeah it's really really nice to listen to
1: are we going to get you doing your own DYCP before the end of the podcast series maybe (gasps) yes Yes. (laughs) let's do it
0: what would be the new branch of uh, artistic work that you'd move into Chris Uh, Flourish Dancing
1: I knew it was going to be dancing (laughs) (laughs) I did
2: you can only dance with Flourish that's that's the premise
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like it
2: that's pretty cool thanks Uh, you haven't seen me dance Mark it's not a nice sight Really
1: That's it? why you need the money, Chris. Well,
2: that's exactly right. What's improving um, my dance?
1: Skilling, yeah, it's
0: fine. We'll get you get mentored by um Michael Flatley. Excellent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a blast from the past. Jeez.
0: Oh good. It'll be yeah. I don't know if I can You'll be mentored by Diversify
11: <laughs> Wow.
2: Oh <Jeez>. man. <laughs> a bit of Flatley in my ears. I can't
11: wait. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> right. Um, Are you looking forward to our final block of competitors for the money today? I'm so excited. Mm. So first up um, in this final block, we have got Rob Harding with a piece called Show Me the Money. Then after Rob, we have got Andrew Lee with a piece called I Found Your Wallet. And our last piece today will be Gail Webb. And her piece is called Moorish.
12: So, apparently, they call it Crimbo Limbo. That seasonal perineum of amorphous day slap bang between Christmas's death wish ingestion that would make a blue whale proud and New Year's pledge that we will do better next time around. Not that I ever do. The pledging, that is. But, here we are. Squeezed betwixt gorging and restraint on the dusky cobbles of Edinburgh in the cold and the rain we probably should have considered the weather on our festive Scottish jaunt but this is the first time we've been away on holiday as a family and we are loving it regardless Except the wind of course and we ignore the fact my wife and I that we are staring down the barrel of two-faced January all its promise and penny pinching pain we focus on the kids and making the most of today We've had perspective changed on a big wheel We've had our minds warped by a museum of mirrors I've done a treasure hunt in the rain with my boy to look for unicorns And then it happened Perspective shifting Mind warping unicorn of a treasure that she is My daughter holds my hand and looks keenly at the person I have learned not to notice person i would have once sat with and shared food with and chatted with until i learned it takes a lot less effort to stare at your toes and shove your hands in your pockets and focus on what you own instead of what others don't but my hand wasn't in my pocket it was in hers and she squeezes it and says sincere and earnest can i give her my money Nobody makes her. Nobody even suggests it. She asks. Asks. As if she needs permission for kindness. After all the presents and surprises, this is her dream. This is her desire. It's to share. A £20 note from her grandparents. A gift. Freely given out of love. I, a burgeoning Scrooge, tell her she can't get change, as if she cares. So I nod. She takes the note. The woman receives it with utter disbelief and tries to hand it back, looks as us. To direct this exchange, we smile. Is hers, we say. And suddenly, it isn't. The miracle hangs between us. An exchange of warmth, a blanket round the shoulders in the night, or a room in a hostel, to be more precise. How easily giving gifts bleeds into counting coins. How easily the milk of human kindness spoils and good cheer falls flat. Sometimes, it just takes a hand to squeeze yours. So go on. I dare you, show me the money that'd buy a kid like that.
11: I found your wallet on the back seat of a taxi in a city where I'd been six and 36 only. Spray painted down the door, bumper to bumper, money can't buy me love. A nice story at six with 60s colours and familiar haircuts. At 36, just. I remembered story of a band my nan would make me listen to because they don't make them like they used to. At 36, I'm in the back seat of a taxi in a city for nothing more than the money. And I found your wallet. The stereotype in my accent had me making eye contact with mirrors and reflections, checking for witness, stretching out the weight of my societal shoulders all nonchalant so as not to interrupt the driver's story about what time he gets off. Shouldn't have asked. But the animation in his need to finish in time for the Derby bought me a precious second or two to pocket your wallet as if every stereotype you'd ever heard was true. Pulling up at the lights on Cavern Club corner, I pulled out your wallet, opened it up to a guilt-riddled photo booth cutout of you and your young family. Two kids, a wife, a receipt for four tickets to the match, a credit card so recently expired and stamped on some plastic you'd been born in the summer of 64 in Wallasey plastic over the water in too much of a hurry you opened up your leather wrapped identity to me with few clues as to who you were, are or will be a mystery novel on the commute to the yellow train home on a Monday that'll be 3.50 please la his eyes shifting suspicious in the rear view. The no-food-or-drink-fifty-pound fine sign pushed against the weak in my knees, the back of the taxi closing in, claustrophobic, the anxiety of a brand-new stolen wallet paying my way back into old habits. I told the boss, man, I'd found your wallet. Came clean, cut loose, released, stood down, let it go, let it be. Gave the only thing between you and me, charitably, up to the front seat. The driver winked and smirked, pocketed your wallet, almost as if to say, Show me the money.
6: Hello, everyone. My name is Gail Webb. I'm a poet based in Nottingham, originally from a small mining town in South Wales. I've been writing for about the last four years, doing open mics and performances with Gobs Collective and Paper Cranes. And I'm currently creative writing facilitator at Maggie's Cancer Care Centre, Nottingham. Um, I'm loving the the Write Club workshops and podcast combo. And uh, I'm going to read you a poem written recently at the lovely Jackie Maury Grace's (laughs) workshop. This poem is called Moorish. I am soft, sticky, caramel, toffee. You want to roll me on your tongue until an overwhelm of love. Richness makes you retreat. And I will meld with other beings equally as well. Spread myself thinly on a crunchy base of paper crisp pastry, pistachio sprinkles. Green bites refresh me and together we understand what it takes for humanity to come together, to complement each other, to raise each other up. I am made for others to experiment with bold brushstrokes, light sparkles, blasts of burnt, crackled sugar, sweet cement of creativity. Confectionary collaborations are built on much more than biscuits sandwiched together. I can top an ice cream, knickerbocker glory or underpin any dessert and you will melt into me. Swim in a salty, sweet river of delights. Wonder, is it worth it? Ready to give everything to lick your fingers one more time.
0: Thank you so much to those three writers um, for submitting those pieces. Uh, What did you guys think?
1: Oh, I really loved them. I, I really liked Gail's piece. I thought it had lots of lovely sensual senses in it, which I really, really like.
0: It did feel like uh, a beautiful reflection on the things that are more valuable <laughs> than money. Um, Chris, you were just saying you really liked the um, I Found Your Wallet, right?
2: Yeah, it's a great piece. And I really like how you can hear physically the journey that he's on. I just like the fact that it's it has that within the vibe of the piece, I think, for me.
1: Mm, it's it's really got cool. a lovely soundscape running mm. underneath it that really sort of makes the words pop, which
3: is cool.
0: Yeah, it's a great piece. Yeah. Definitely some, some Chris stroking of the beard at that one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, of course, Rob Harding's piece as well. What a beautiful story. Yeah, um, really
1: good storytelling as well. we really got a sense of being there and being involved in that moment.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: the thing is you have, just to go back to the the piece that we were referring to before, that music concrete is something that, was in the in the 20s and 30s and 40s where you use sound everyday sound for soundscape becomes percussive you start lending into it
0: sort of stuff that i like anyway it's cool Mm.
1: technical stuff from the sound guy we love it
0: (laughs) and uh, yeah and rob's piece with some great storytelling as well and um uh yeah and also like pulling no punches about feeling a bit guilty right and Mm -hmm. uh, we get a bit more cynical okay we're going to make a call on that in a second. But one thing we have made a call on is as well as the £150 for an audio piece, we've said there is a £50 prize for one text piece that whoop whoop. Got sent in um, this month. And we've had a bunch of these sent in, um, some really, really great poems uh, and some stories as mm. well, which are fantastic. Uh, I, we, we, I kind of would have loved to given this to a, a story, but uh, the unanimous decision is the piece that really stood out to us all. Um, For the £50 prize Um, I'm going to read it out to you now Um, It's a piece called How difficult it is To describe the difference Between £2.99 And £29.99 And that's been sent in by Laura Strickland This is the piece He interrupts me like the person from Porlock He's found the perfect Frozen dress And as he talks I imagine him wearing it Watch how it transforms him, the feeling it gives him, the way he moves through the gaps in the furniture, as though he is blessing the air. And it takes everything I have not to say I can't afford it. As he hands me his Kindle with the cracked screen, he won't use a protective cover because it doesn't feel right in his hands. I click buy now and think about what to cut back on. Yeah, it's mega.
1: Oh, yeah, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, what
0: a powerful, thoughtful piece. You can't hear this, um, but the way the poem has been laid out is really satisfying as well. There's no punctuation there, these kind of gaps. It's almost like a prose poem, but with these thoughts... On the page as it's moving It's mm. very beautifully set out as well So Laura, we loved that piece yeah. Thank that you so mean, much really um, And we will be in contact about how to relay your £50 If you weren't selected Because we had a few text pieces We will also try and see what we can do about putting you in To a later episode But thank you for the work It was very, very well written as well Okay, so time for a decision On the audio mm. uh, Now <laughs> <laughs> This has been quite It's hard, right? Hard. It's been hard yeah, yeah, quite difficult. You you can't uh, hear this, but we we've been sat in the other room, um, going through the pieces, and there's a strong case for each one, and we couldn't agree for quite a while mm-hmm. on this. If anything, I don't know about you guys, it made me feel um, more sympathetic towards the decision that Arts Council England is making <laughs> when it's going through applications. I know that yeah. there's a project plan and there's other things to, to bear in mind, but um. It's never easy trying to make a decision between different artists' work. Of
1: course, the quality and the different contexts of different poems and different pieces, it's, it's really hard to say, you know, this is the one mm. that we'd like to choose over all the others. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, not for the first time, uh, that I don't work for Arts Council. <laughs> <laughs> Too difficult.
2: How did you find it, Chris? Yeah, I echo exactly what you just said there. I think um, it's quite tricky because they're all really, really good. Um, but yeah, we sort of got there in the end. I think just
0: mm-hmm. did we? Yeah, we went back and forth on a few things, but and we are all in agreement that we mm-hmm. are happy with the choice. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The winning piece of the 150 pounds is "Life Isn't Fair" by Amber Page Moss. Well done, Amber Page. Woo! Awesome. Well done. Woo! Good. <Audience clapping> um, guys, do you want to explain why um, why we went for that piece ultimately?
1: Yeah so um we found we thought that this piece had like a huge amount of passion to it it was incredibly well crafted as a piece of spoken word um and it was really well performed as well there was a lot of there was lovely energy to it as well and um obviously it's quite a political poem and um we thought that regardless of your politics um you could really see that this was a well crafted piece of writing
0: yeah it was um Tour de Force. It mm-hmm. was yeah. throwing some punches, um, and it was uh, taking no prisoners at all. And I think we all felt that it was a poem that just could not be ignored.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's just relentless, and I, I like it because it, it really does. That's what you want in a poem. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just feel, I just feel that it's it sort of really echoes a lot of a lot of the feelings that are friends that I have and friends and family feel exactly the same way at the moment. So. Is right on the money for me.
0: It's poignant for sure. Hmm. Now, that said, ultimately, I hope you can hear that it's just an opinion, right? It's just mm-hmm. some people's opinions. And whenever you're applying for funding, if you are getting an unsuccessful response to an application, it's tricky. But I think sometimes we've got to do our best to not take it too personally. And perhaps you feel that somebody else's work really spoke to you uh, and that you would have given the money to someone different. Um, and certainly we are in no way saying that um, that's categorically the best piece of them. But yeah,
1: f*** you guys. That's who's who's
0: winning the money this time
1: around. It always feels like Arts Council funding is like the main big thing and it's the one thing that will legitimise your art. But there are so many other, you know, local funds. You can get money from your um, city council if you look in the right places. Um, There's lots of like weird little funds that have been endowed by folks who've given their estate over to help artists. Um, there's like the Society of Authors, if you're a writer, there's all kinds of places. So it's easy to be discouraged when you get an unsuccessful, um, response to a DYCP, but there are other places to go and there are other ways to get what you want done and get your voice out there. Mm
0: -hmm. I think if you're successful with one of these grants, you kind of know what you're doing next because mm-hmm. you've made the plan, right? Yes. Everything's set out and you know what you've got to go and do. But what do you do if you're unsuccessful? And, and I think that's something that we all could need to kind of like steel ourselves for because we will be unsuccessful much more than we are successful, I think, with these applications. Um, our two artists that you've heard from so far with their DYCP grants, um, just so you know, they got the news this last week, uh, received a no uh, on their applications. Um, which is tough, right? The truth is probably as artists, we're going to take more no's than we're going to take yeses. And in fact, that first poet you heard on this episode, Sandy Wardrop, with his piece about drumming, he also applied for a Develop Your Creative Practice grant and he received a no. Here's how he felt afterwards.
4: He said, oh no, you've, um, unfortunately you've been unsuccessful. And I went, oh, I was really hoping for that money. To maybe, well, apart from anything, pay my mortgage for the next three months or so. So the answer they gave me was no. Was I still glad to have done it? Was it still worth the sleepless nights, including the final night, staying up all night to finish it off to be perfect? Absolutely. For one thing, it gave me the experience of filling in a funding application, which is something I'd never done. Never realised was really something I could do. But yeah, I am in the right place. Um, It is okay to ask for this money to be better. And I am worth funding. And if you're listening to this wondering, maybe you are too.
0: Thanks so much, Sandy. It's tough navigating this world as artists and, and money comes and goes. Honestly, I kind of feel like we're tough though. We're cockroaches, us <laughs> lot, right? As writers, we're used to to grafting for for little to nothing. But if we can keep dealing with those rejections and pushing ourselves forward, um, we will get there.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's not necessary. What did you say before? It's there's no poetry in money.
0: Um. Yes, there's no money in poetry, but there's no poetry in money either. Mm, nice. I'm clicking that um, one. Yeah, although it would be nice. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, Guys thank you so much For joining us today The good news is um, If you're interested In our next workshop um, This series has been Fantastic so far The poet you've just heard Sandy Wardrop Is delivering a workshop On Wednesday the 6th of September Uh, It'll be online From 8pm until 9.30pm On Wednesday the 6th of September And Sandy's workshop Will be really cool And fun and engaging And it's called Fast Poetry and how to fake it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to sign up for that, we'll put a link to the event in the Eventbrite. Um, these these tickets are really snapping up uh, and selling out. So please jump on one of those. Quick it if you want to make sure you get a spot. All that's left to say today is um, thank you so much, Leanne for joining me and Chris here today.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, You are paying me, right? (laughs) Yes. Worth your weight in
0: gold, uh, Leanne. And Chris, I'm I'm mostly paying Chris in Uh, denim these days. I was going to say, you are paying me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's, everyone's getting a little summit <laughs> summon. And thank you guys um, So much for listening And for sending your work in And being part of this project Because we're loving working with you on this so far Our next theme That we're gathering submissions for Is back to the future Great Scott Yes, uh, We got an episode where we're looking forward to the future And I've got some big news for this episode This episode that we're putting together We're looking for work from writers Who are under 18. That's right. This episode will be school friendly and will contain writing from young people all around the world as they respond to the theme of Back to the Future. Perhaps you've got a young person in your life who kind of needs something to do over the summer holidays. Any writing from anyone under the age of 18 sent through to us, we will feature on the episode. If you have got any work that you would like to send, uh, feel free to send it to words at rightclubopenmic.com. That's words at rightclubopenmic.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. That's been cool. And thanks to everyone that sent work to feature in this episode. This episode of Right Club Open Mic was hosted by me, Mark Grist and Leanne Moden, who's joined us today. Um, Also, we've got Chris Barn at Backline Studios, without which none of this would be possible. Thank you so much to everyone who sent work in that we featured today. Thank you so much to Demi and Anne for documenting their experiences with the DYCP. And thank you to Arts Council England for funding this project with public funding. Lastly, thank you for listening.